Thank you for joining us on Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. It is Heart Month, and partially because of our very diverse community, we have people who are at higher risk than others for heart disease. And each year we are committed to bringing you the most up-to-date information about heart disease, so prevalent in America, and in some ways it's so preventable. So I'm very happy to welcome an expert, Dr. Arnaud Blanchard, cardiologist with Broward Health Physician Group, to give us the latest guidance on heart health. Dr. Blanchard, thank you for being here. Can we start with the basics? Just what exactly is heart disease and who is at risk? Well, thank you, Alan, for for the invitation. So heart disease remains uh, a very concerned disease because it remains the number one cause of death in the United States and in fact, all over the world. So when we talk about heart disease, basically we are saying that it's a disease that affects the heart. And obviously the heart has different components. There's the muscle, there are the valves, and there's the arteries that supply blood, oxygen, and nutrients to the heart so that it can function as a pump. So coronary artery disease, which is the most common cause of heart disease affecting us in the United States, remain a problem. And then when we talk about coronary artery disease, we are talking about plaque formation inside the blood vessel impeding a normal flow to the muscle so that the muscle can do its function properly. So how does someone get coronary heart disease? Okay, so coronary heart disease, you know, most of the problem we see it's a plaque formation. There are certain common risk factors that over the past decades we have identified. For example, high blood pressure predisposes you to have coronary artery disease, smoking, diabetes, high cholesterol, obesity, lack of exercise. And of course, there are certain factors that you don't have control, but you don't get to choose your parents. So you may have a predisposition based on the presence of the disease in your parents, your age, your gender, and of course, your race. So all those predispose you to have an increased risk of having blockages in the coronary arteries. And which are the ones that we can control? So high blood pressure, you may develop high blood pressure, but it can be controlled, you know, with lifestyle modification and at time if necessary, introduction of medicine to control it to a range that would decrease your risk of developing the problem. Smoking cessation, we have control over that, control of cholesterol, management of diabetes, and increase in regular activities and with a plan to decrease your weight to a healthy way, you know, these are the things that we have control. And then usually it's done as a teamwork, you know, the patient and of course us as the guy. It seems like so much of it comes back to eating and exercise, our diet and our exercise, because those are the things that cause diabetes, cause high cholesterol, cause high blood pressure and obesity. So what would you say are some of the things that we could be doing to manage our eating and exercise and other ways to reduce the risk of heart disease? I think that is a very good question and an important one. And oftentimes, when one thinks about physical activities, we're thinking about having a membership in a gym. It may not be so. We know that moderate exercise, for instance, if you like to walk, if you go out walking 30, 45 minutes a day at a more brisk pace, you know, but to a lot of us, it will be sufficient as a modality of physical activities 
Now, when it comes to diet, we know that a diet enriched in vegetables, in fruits, in grains, you know, it's very good diet to decrease the risk of heart disease. I know we are a society that consumes a lot of meat or meat products. We know that by reducing the amount of meat that we consume and by increasing the amount of vegetables and fruits in our diet does help in managing weight, in managing hypertension, in managing diabetes and cholesterol and so on. So that's a, a pretty simple equation there. Reduce the meat, increase the vegetables and fruits, and you're on your way. Now, one of the things is how do we even know, other than seeing a doctor, if we have heart disease? Like, can you feel it? You know, I have this uh, image in my head of arteries filled with butter, <laughs> you know, yes. the, the plaque, and, and, but you don't feel it. So how can you tell if you really should be concerned? Yes, I think prevention is probably the, the best approach, Ella, because by the time that you have symptoms that is consistent with heart disease, you know, the disease is already actually quite advanced. Right. So do not wait to have symptoms. You know, it's rather to engage about what one can do in order to reduce the risk. And then these are the things that we just uh, touch, you know, right. the, the proper eating and the exercise. Now, there are certain symptoms that, that point to a problem with the function of the heart. The chest discomfort. You know, I like to say discomfort because sometimes in particular women, the typical chest pressure radiating to the left arm, to the jaw, to the neck may not be present. You know, women, unfortunately, oftentimes, the disease is underdiagnosed because of their presentation. You know, a woman may say, you know, I just don't feel the same. Right. Right. Instead of saying, well, you know, I have chest pain or I'm just tired all the time or the, the typical activities that I do is just like I don't have any interest. But we, you know, over the past years, we understand that. So uh, we tend to take more time and kind of understand and see if there have been a shift from where the person was before and where they are. But, you know, the chest pain uh, tends to be what people come with or they get shortness of breath when they exert yourself. Sometimes it's a minimal exertion, sometimes it's more than usual. And sometimes it can be just, you know, uh, gastrointestinal symptoms. You know, if, uh, you know, when I walk and then for some reason I feel kind of like pain in my stomach, you know. Uh, but, you know, anytime you have the symptoms, you do not understand it. it uh, by precaution, it's probably better to see a, a healthcare provider. Okay. As soon as you mentioned shortness of breath, first thing that came to mind was COVID, because when that first hit and became a pandemic, that was one of the key symptoms was that shortness of breath. And we've heard stories about how there are lasting effects for people who've had COVID on the heart. How does it affect the heart? Yeah, COVID has multiple ways of uh, affecting the heart. You know, COVID now, we know there are studies that suggest that the virus itself can have a direct effect on the heart itself and causing damage. But COVID itself causes an, an extraordinary inflammation inside the body, and this inflammation can indirectly affect the heart making the muscle weaker in its contraction, therefore unable to provide the amount of blood flow required for the other organs to function properly. Uh, we know that 
patients who have COVID has a tendency of forming uh, blood clots. And then the blood clots can be in the arterial system. It can be in the venous system. You know, it can go into the coronary arteries and block the coronary arteries and the patient will present with a heart attack. But we also know that COVID itself, you know, being in a situation where there is poor oxygenation because the lungs are sick, may exacerbate underlying disease, underlying blockages of the coronaries, which were not known. And the patient may present with symptoms and signs of someone having a heart attack. It's almost like a circle where having heart disease can put you at higher risk for COVID because it lowers your immune system and COVID puts you at higher risk for heart disease. Yeah, so definitely COVID puts you at the highest risk of having complications from underlying heart disease, right? Uh, We know that, you know, a lot of the patients that actually uh, die from COVID having some of the cardiovascular risk factors that we mentioned or having heart disease themselves put them at a higher risk to have a worse outcome, including including death. So that has been well documented in the in the literature. I remember it's a number of years already when Rosie O'Donnell had a heart attack and she talked about how she took a couple of aspirin and that saved her life. Now, the guidance on aspirin seems to be changing. At first, it was, okay, take, you know, your 81 milligram aspirin every day to help prevent heart disease. Now they say that's not necessary. Is it and can it still help you if you start experiencing symptoms of a heart attack? Yeah, if you start experiencing symptoms of a heart attack, it's a different ballgame, right? We are talking about someone with possibility of having a true cardiac event. In that case, yes. In that case, it's definitely wise to take one or two aspirin and and chew the aspirin and obviously call 911 to have uh, immediate care. But in terms of prevention, it's, it's a totally different game. In fact, there are several studies that point to us that it may not be a good idea. In fact, it might be causing more problem than helping in taking aspirin if there's no evidence of what we will call atherosclerosis. You know, blockages in the arteries of the heart, blockages in the carotid artery or blockages in the low extremities. Or, or in the arteries of the brain. If there is no evidence of that, we know that there is no, no evidence that it helps. In fact, what we have noted in patients that are above 65, it may cause more problems wow. than benefits. Okay. So that's a big change in the mm-hmm. guidance. Absolutely. Um, now, you know, we know, as you have said, heart disease is the number one killer of women in the United States. Statistics show more women in the U.S. die of heart disease than all forms of cancer combined each year. Mm-hmm. So when a woman goes to the doctor, we're so limited in the time we have nowadays. What kind mm-hmm. of conversation should women have with their healthcare providers and how can they get their attention for the right information that they need and to be checked properly? That is a very good question. I think the appropriate answer to that is to assure that there is a very good relationship between the patient, in that case, since we are discussing about women, and the healthcare provider. Because it's so important to take a, such a detailed history so that one can do a proper analysis, what is the risk of this person to have a cardiac event within the coming 10 years, right? So one has to be proactive, of course. 
Yeah, it's common. There is a convention that shows that, you know, when someone goes to the physician, is that suddenly they don't have any question. I think one has to ask questions, prepare what you want to discuss prior going to see the healthcare provider and make sure you go over all the points. So what are the points that are necessary? Well, doctor, what is my risk of developing heart disease? And then if there is such, what should I do in order to lower the risk, right? And then the physician, of course, there are certain vital signs that he's going to need to discuss with you. And then there's appropriate blood tests and probably an electrocardiogram to kind of like make an overall assessment. Of course, you need to know what your cholesterol is, right? You need to know what your blood sugar is. You need to know if you have protein in the urine and so on. And then, of course, you will go into detail about your lifestyle. You know, are you active? Are you not active? You know, what are you eating? What you are not eating? So that you can make proper recommendation. But the key is to go with a list of the questions that you need to address in order to have your satisfactory response. So most of us have this sense that nothing's going to happen to me. I'm not going to be the one to have a heart attack or get cancer or get COVID. It's just a human thing. So how do, what can you say to women or all people? What can you say to people to really persuade them to bring up the subject with their healthcare provider? Definitely. That's a very good question. I think once, you know, uh, a risk assessment, I mean, a risk assessment can be done by seeing a healthcare provider. And that involves simply know what's your blood pressure. I think we all should know at least once a year what is our blood pressure. And I think we all should know at least every three years what is our cholesterol, what is the LDL, which is what I tend to call the lousy cholesterol, which is the bad one, right? I, I need to know what is my blood sugar, right? Because again, you know, as we mentioned previously, you don't wait to have symptoms. You have to be proactive. And in order to be proactive, there are certain data that you need to have. Your blood pressure, what is my cholesterol? What is my level of blood sugar, right? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to do in terms of lifestyle in order to decrease my risk? Okay. You know, what type of exercise need I need to do, you know, for how long and so on, right? So these are the questions that I wanted to ask and look at it from a preventive perspective. It's prevent, prevent, prevent. Instead of finding right there, you having symptoms and then the disease has progressed quite importantly. Now, of course, Broward Health Physicians Group, you are always coming up with better treatments, doing research, finding game-changing cardiac care. What is the latest that you're doing that we would want to know about? Yeah, uh, very happy to know. We are all the time engaging the, our community in order to assure that we let them know what we are doing and making sure that they know that they have access to a healthcare system that indeed provide game-changing cardiac care. So Boyd Health has invested millions of dollars into enhancing its cardiovascular services for the community. We recently built two new cardiac cath labs to help diagnose and treat heart conditions such as blocked arteries through a minimally invasive method. The new cardiac labs that we have presently are at Empire Point in Fort Lauderdale and Boyd with Health Coral Spring in Coral Spring. So Boyd Health Medical Center was also the first hospital in Boyd County to offer patients who has non-valvular atrial fibrillation, which is an abnormal rhythm that predisposes people to form clot inside the heart, and that unfortunately this clot can go up into the brain and cause a stroke. Mm. 
right? Yeah. So instead of using a blood thinner to lower the risk, there is a special device called the Watchman. And then right now we are part of a large scale trial to see how we can make this small surgical device available to more patients. Plus, we have cardiologists with various specialties available to provide personalized and advanced health care. We have an active structural heart disease program. And then we recent an excellent cardiologist in Dr. Reina, who's an expert in heart failure, who have joined our team. And does someone need a referral to come to you or can they just say, you know, I'm concerned about my heart. I'm going directly to the heart experts. Uh, very good. You know, obviously, uh, there are different plans available for the general community. Some patients do have to go through their primary care physician. But, you know, one can start the conversation by going to org slash cardiac care and obtain all the required information. You know, oftentimes there are patients that can come directly to us and then that do happen so that we can address their concern. But yes, at bioidhealth.org slash cardiac care, there you will find all the needed information to direct you as to what to do. Fabulous. That is one of the key things that we have learned because if we can get the information right there on demand when we need it, that is helpful. So BrowardHealth.org slash cardiac care is where you'll find so much of what we've just discussed with Dr. Arno Blanchard, cardiologist at Broward Health Physician Group. Is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know during Heart Month? I have to thank you, Ellen, for the work that you are doing and the opportunity you are giving us to communicate our desire to assure to answer to their medical concern so that they can live a healthy life. What I'm going to stress is that preventive care is the best care. Know your blood pressure, know what your blood sugar is, know what your cholesterol is, engage in physical activities and eat healthy meals. And then you will decrease your risk of coming to the hospital with a heart attack. And that's the last thing you want. Absolutely. I thank you so much for all of this information. I don't even want to get into the point where you have to be in the hospital and what that's like, because what I would like is for everyone to take what you've just given us and put it into action so that they never get to the point where they have to be in a hospital. Absolutely. Okay. Again, thank you, Dr. Arno Blanchard. The website, if you want more information, is BrowardHealth.org slash cardiac care. We so appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Thank you very much. Now that we've talked about some of the more technical medical issues surrounding heart disease, we want to also take a little deeper dive, if you will, into some of the daily aspects and the lifestyle changes that we can make to improve our heart health. I'm so happy to welcome the Vice President of Development for the American Heart Association, Greater Miami, Fort Lauderdale area chapter, Marisol Sierra. Thank you for talking to us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. We're really appreciative and honored to be here with you. You know, every year, February is American Heart Month. We all do our Go Wear for Red on the first Friday of the month, but what is the entire month really all about, particularly for the American Heart Association? It's not only for the awareness, right? It's a federally designated event. It's an ideal time to remind Americans to focus on their heart and encourage them and their family, friends, and anyone in the community to get involved. Cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women. 
it claims women's lives than all other forms of cancer combined. And as you can imagine, one life is too many. Losing a sister, a grandmother, a friend to heart disease or stroke could be avoided. And so we are really trying to bring that awareness of the risks of heart disease. Remember those that we have lost and highlight steps that we can all take individually to save the lives of countless loved ones and address that unequal burden of heart disease in high-risk communities. Plus, People are tired with everything that's happened in the last two years. Even those people who normally focus on their health have lost their rhythm. Cardiovascular disease still is the greatest threat. And with COVID and the complexity of life, the stress that comes with it, it's really hard to stay active, to get your rhythm going. So we're really experiencing lower physical and emotional wellness. So heart disease is something that's very significant in all our conversations daily. There are several different factors that go into it, but the most at risk are women, especially Black and Hispanic, who are disproportionately impacted by heart disease and stroke. Research shows that heart attacks are on the rise in younger women as well. Our younger generation of women, me included, Gen Z and millennials are less likely to be aware of these greatest health factors and risks and what these threats are, including, you know, knowing your warning signs of a heart attack and stroke. And that's why it's important for all women to take charge of their heart health and encourage others to do the same. I mean, we joke where the CEOs are of a family, right? And we, we respect our fathers and dads, but we put ourselves second. So Always. we definitely have to make sure we have to make sure that we're monitoring that. And black females had a hospitalization rate of 240% more for heart failure oh and Hispanic who had hospitalization rates of 55% for the same compared to white women. So that would be the individuals, unfortunately, that are more at risk in our community. And is that because of lower access to healthcare or less awareness, or is there a genetic component or a cultural component to that? There's several factors. Uh, black women face greater risk of developing high blood pressure, having a stroke and complications during or immediately after pregnancy. The fact that we go through different life cycles than a male, you know, with pregnancy, postpartum, and another factor is low income. Depending on the disparities of the community, American Indian, Alaska Native, and Black women are more likely to smoke than Hispanic and white women. So there's a multitude of factors that go into that and just being aware of these, whether it's high blood pressure, you know, managing this, smoking, high blood cholesterol, lack of regular activity. As you were talking about the pandemic, one in five people are saying they've been less active due to the pandemic. You know, they're reporting lower physical wellness, reporting lower emotional wellness. So there's a variety of things that need to be considered. And then that's why Heart Month is so crucial. What are some of the other factors that contribute to heart disease? We know, okay, smoking, genetics, lack of access to health care, pregnancy, high blood pressure. Are there other things we need to be concerned about? And, and what can we do to improve our heart health? Um, aside from smoking, I'm just going to throw in vaping because it is, I guess you could say, the new fad. And one in four middle school kids are saying that they, they're willingly admitting that they're vaping. So I would say lack of regular activity, moving. Our theme, and I'll get into our theme this year for our heart month, it's Reclaim Your Rhythm, and I'll tell you some of those activities we can be doing. But obesity and overweight and diabetes are the other factors. And some of the factors that we can't control are age, Gender, like you said, DNA, hereditary, our races, 
and if you've had a previous stroke or heart attack. So those are the things that we need to be mindful and cognizant of. And then to your point, when you ask, you know, what is it that we can do? We are inviting men and women alike to reclaim their rhythm. That is the theme to take back control of your physical health, your mental well-being, and the American Heart Association is really helping people create or recreate these healthy habits that work best for life. And it's individual, right? Everyone's a little different. And we want to make sure that you each have the best chance at life. And some of those ways, we narrowed it down to five, you know, it's mellow out and reduce your stress, right? Yes. You could... You could do this with physical activity. If you are a smoker, try to stop smoking. You know, that is the number one activity you can do to reduce heart disease or have any heart or cardiovascular issues. Move to the music. What's your favorite jam? If you find a beat, you get active. It helps. It links literally to lower risking heart disease. You get stronger bones. Your muscles are moving. You improve your mental health, your cognitive function. You know, rock your recipes. Some of us are foodies. And like you said, we turn to eating. I was guilty of that. I'm happy to say I brought my my COVID-25 down. But coming together with family, friends, or just individually yourself at home and really decompressing and getting regular meals at home that help you reduce stress, you know, boost your self-esteem, heart healthy diets, and then staying on the beat with blood pressure, making sure you regularly check your blood pressure and you figure out what it is, know your numbers, because these are controllable risk factors for heart disease. Are there natural ways to reduce your blood pressure without having to rely on prescribed medication? There are. These are some of the activities I just shared. There's more information absolutely on heart.org that can bring some of those ideas to life. But we wanted to make sure to keep it simple. Five easy things right now that we can do. Stopping smoking is one of them. Heart healthy diets, reducing your stress, getting active, moving, getting out there. And that all collectively can help that. Now, if we go to your website, will we find some recipes for heart healthy diets and some guidance? Because, you know, there's so many different things out there. And Facebook is filled with people trying to get you to pay them money to be part of whatever plan they have. And that's you never know what you're going to get. The bright side, though, is there are also all of these free classes that you can take now to get healthy. There's, you know, step classes and uh, cardio classes and lift classes, whatever you want, you can pretty much find yoga. You can pretty much find it either on Facebook or YouTube, anywhere online for free. But as far as is what you consider a heart healthy diet, what would be some of the key elements of that? The heart healthy diet, I, I would be remiss if I tell you, I know them off the top of my head, but we have something where science-based and research has proven there's certain ingredients that one could look up and at your supermarket, they'll have a little American Heart Association logo and it'll tell you whether it's heart healthy or not. And on our website, like I mentioned, heart.org, it is free. There is no cost to getting these recipes. You can go on our website and there's a multitude of different recipes that you can check out and or see what kind of ingredients you can use to make sure you're eating the right things, right? And consuming the right nutrients and making sure that you are staying heart healthy. Yeah. Why is Heart Month so important this year? Is it, it seems like it's more critical than in past years. We know what the last two years have been like. We've all been mitigating this weird circumstance, this situation, the pressures at work, 
you know, there's it's just a different state to be living in, to be remote, to be Zoom, to take on more responsibilities. Some folks have lost jobs. Some folks have lost homes. So it's affected individuals in so many ways and sometimes even more than one way. And we know that COVID is still around and the complexities that it brings to our lives If we reduce our stress, if we do things to stay active and get off our computers, you know, I say there's a life-work balance. That's a Marisol thing, not an American Heart Association thing. But we want to make sure that you are being mindful of your health. And that's something that the AHA is promoting to stay on top of that. And with COVID, as I mentioned earlier, deaths from heart disease and stroke have risen significantly since COVID-19 pandemic kicked off. And even people who had mild cases of COVID-19 may have changes to their heart and brain health. So it's not just now, it's always been important. I think just with the opportunity at hand to really shine the light on heart health and the importance of it, it's amplified with the pandemic. Yeah, I understand that there may be long-term effects, but it's too soon for the scientists and researchers to really know how ongoing that will be. So we will definitely stay in touch with you about that and keep people informed as we find out new information. But how can we get people involved in building awareness throughout February and the entire year and taking action during Heart Month? Well, I would say you could wear red all through the month of February and even throughout the year. We have our our different activities and campaigns. We have heart walks. One is coming up in Broward on March 13th. Join us at NSU. Get active. Get out there. Get walking. We have our walk in Miami Day. That's typically in December. We have several initiatives where we're teaching hands-only CPR training, getting involved with our food and distribution distros that we're doing in Miami and Broward-Dade County. I would say get active, get out there, reach out to us, heart.org. We definitely, we're looking for volunteers. We have ways that can get you moving. We have the Heart Healthy Recipes partners throughout South Florida that can get you involved and really just focus on, most importantly, knowing your numbers. Okay. The same way you would, you know, you know your weight, you know your your pant size, you should know your blood pressure, you should know your heart health numbers. Okay. You know, we keep saying it, know your numbers. And then I know that there are always going to be a few people who are like, which numbers do I need to know? <laughs> Definitely and, blood pressure. Right. <laughs> Checking your pee, heart check, go to your doctor, ask them to know that. And if you have questions, be inquisitive, challenge Get as much information about your heart health that you can and stay on top of it. I would say that's the first thing. And if you're a smoker, I'm going to do a PSA. Quit. It's the first thing you could do to reduce heart disease and heart attacks. And, you know, Florida has an amazing quit smoking program, Tobacco-Free Florida. You just look up Tobacco-Free Florida and they can provide you with uh, the gums, things that will help you quit to make it much easier. It's, It's a challenge. We know that. But I have to tell you, you will find so much benefit and feel so much better when you do get rid of the cigarettes and you'll save so much money. (laughs) That alone is essential enough. (laughs) Well, Marisol, it is such a delight to speak with you. Marisol Sierra, the Vice President of Development at the American Heart Association for the Greater Miami and Fort Lauderdale area. And anything that you need to know about heart health, it is there at heart.org. If you'd like to volunteer and get involved, you know, they say when you give, you get back a perfect thing to do. Just go to heart.org. And Mary saw we will keep in touch throughout the year. 
We're going to give people information about the Heart Walk in Broward on March 13th at NSU. And we're going to wear red throughout the month of February. Ellen, thank you so much for this opportunity and appreciate you coming alongside us to bring the awareness that's much needed in our community. Absolute delight. And thank you for listening to Community Focus today. If you have questions about the program or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe at cmg.com. It's ellen.ja2fse at cmg.com. And join me again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus. Have a safe and healthy day.